Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 92 of the Steelers Outpost podcast, the James Harrison episode, the Jason Gilden episode, all-time underrated Steeler. This is Nick here in the Houston Outpost. Papa Tom is out there lubing the deals on the West Coast, where I actually just got back from. So apologies once again for the late podcast. We'll be able to get this thing rolling more on our normal time um, once some of this traveling stuff gets over with. But we got plenty to talk about today. There's a bunch of stuff going on in the NFL, some of the so-called dysfunction that the Jets are displaying that I think actually shed some light on situations that the Steelers have dealt with before, Le'Veon Bell both withstanding and not withstanding. There are some uh, political sort of social media wars going on. Uh, There's plenty of Steelers news, almost surprisingly at this time of the year, because now I'm really wondering if there actually is an offseason. Maybe the NFL is succeeding in making this thing a year-round calendar. And luckily, the interception machine himself, Terrell Edmonds, has given us a little fuel for the fire on Twitter not half an hour before I got on to record this podcast. So if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, I'm curious. I'm calling my shot. Is it going to be on SportsCenter or NFL Live or something like that? Whatever Terrell Edmonds said on social media? I think it might be. Because this is the perfect time of the year for people to pick up and run with innocuous storylines and dig deep on them because there's no game coverage necessary. So we'll see, though. Calling my shot. We'll get into that a little bit later. I'm going to open up with something a little bit light, something light and jazzy. Big Benny and the Georgia Lake House. Uh, Some videos came up, I guess, this week by some of the Steelers' skill position players showing that Ben Roethlisberger took a bunch of the skill position players, pretty much all of them, down to his lake house in Georgia like he had done before, I believe in 2015, when the Killer Bees were still intact. And he took the dudes to the lake house for, uh, I guess, a week of fun. I don't know if they get hammered at these kind of things. That's what regular people do. But to me, it just seems like it's it's a little bit more uh, reserved, but still going to have some fun swimming, Uh, driving out on the speedboat, very similar to what we saw from some of the Instagram videos a few years ago when other players who are no longer with the Steelers were actually there on that trip. But, of course, the media kind of came out and ran with that, saying, looks like Ben Roethlisberger has heard some of the criticism uh, of his leadership style, and he's uh, making some outreach attempts to try and bond with his teammates. And that's, it's just a little bit misleading because once again, this is what happens in the national media. You don't have a perspective on each individual team because you have to cover all 32 teams. And listen, I get it, but that's our job here as people who cover the Steelers to kind of set some of that story straight. And a lot of the Steelers outlets have been doing that. This isn't a new thing that Ben Roethlisberger has been doing. He's done it before, at least that one time in 2015 
when he took the skill position guys down there to go relax and have fun. I know that they did do some on-field work, running some routes and stuff like that. But uh, honestly, that kind of thing's overblown. You know, Edelman used to move out to California every summer to try and get in the good graces of Tom Brady. That's a cool thing to do. That's good. But if you look at most of the teams in the NFL, you know, the good players, you're going to be able to get together in OTAs. That kind of stuff, OTAs, I think is almost more of just a kind of team building exercise. The real chemistry begins in training camp. It doesn't begin in Georgia on a high school field when you're throwing to each other. I think that's, once again, more falls in the category of like a team building thing. And then training camp, when you are when you have pads on and you're playing against defenses, that's when it really starts. So uh, these things, I think, are a little bit overblown sometimes. Like Ben takes receivers to random place and offseason. They will now put up numbers like you've never seen before. A little bit overblown. But it is nice to see him do something like that. Now, getting back to the national media thing, it's a little bit annoying for them to insinuate he's only doing this as a response to the criticism he's received recently. And I get why you would think that, but like I was saying, they don't have the context. They don't even realize that he had done this before. And it does seem a little funny when you see, okay, he took them out in, I guess, that 2015 year, which was, to me, kind of the most dominant offensive year. That's when the real explosion took place. And then he hasn't done it for the few years since, but that was because he had children being born. And that's pretty understandable as as far as I'm concerned. So that kind of explains it away from me, but... It's nice to see him do that. It, like I said, it was really nice to see him and a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's got plenty of stuff to do outside of football. It was good to see those guys at the first voluntary minicamps. I do think that does sort of go a long way, and especially for a team like the Steelers, who are in a, in a weird place. I mean, obviously primed and ready to go and make a playoff run this year, but with all the drama and all the disappointment of the last season and everything that's built up over the past few years, it's good to see the Steelers go out of their way to do some team bonding like this. And so there's a couple of different ways I could go with this. I wanted to kind of talk about the sort of a mirrored situation with Odell Beckham Jr. not showing up to voluntary team workouts and Le'Veon Bell not showing up to the team workouts for the Jets. And I guess I will touch on that for a second, actually, now that we're here. Because those voluntary workouts, like the players' union has done such a poor job in the CBA negotiations, that's one of the things that they did win on, getting voluntary workouts, and the players hardly take advantage of using that advantage. So the, if you look at it, the owners actually won again. Yeah, they're voluntary, but if you don't go to them, the media is going to kill you, and your teammates are going to have to defend you, and your coach is going to have to defend you. But that's the thing about football, man. There's a ton of work that goes into it. There's a ton of preparation. It's not a game like basketball or soccer where obviously there's tons of preparation, but it's more like get out there and play basketball. Get out there and play soccer. It's a free-flowing sport. There, are, there aren't really plays. There, of course, there are plays that you can run. There's inbound plays. There's offensive plays to get the ball moving. But really, it's more about free-flowing and reacting. Football is different because of the start-and-stop nature of it. There's a tremendous amount of of real schematic preparation that goes into the thing. So every practice counts. 
you can never really have enough of it. But I think that it's more important for some teams than others or some players than other players to be at some of these voluntary camps. And Odell Beckham Jr., if we want to start with him, he's kind of one of those guys. I mean, I'm on the in the camp of thinking that he gets a bit of a bad rap in the media. Some of uh, the conjecture about him being a difficult teammate is incredibly overblown. And I think that you guys and girls being fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers and watching what Antonio Brown has done, I think we can all agree on that, right? Odell kicked a kicking net, and then he proposed to said kicking net. That doesn't seem like that big of a distraction to me. He's a total modern, millennial, fashionista, swagged-out kind of guy. If that bothers you and your team, then you deserve to lose. I mean, he's not out there, you know causing huge distractions or not showing up to things. He shows up, and by all accounts, he's a great teammate, right? There was, by the way, the one thing people leave out in the Odell Beckham Jr. argument sometimes is the incident with Josh Norman where he literally tried to murder the guy by spearing him in the back of the head. That was my one thing with him. But I give every player a, a one strike or two strikes because that hasn't occurred ever since. But that's the one thing I can point to as, whoa, bro, that was not that was, that was perfect-like. But let's get back to OTAs and voluntary uh, practices and stuff like that. I think that he's the kind of guy that does need to show up to the Cleveland Browns camp because whether it's right or not, he does get his name dragged through the media sometimes, and this would be uh, part of the list of things that you can control if you're Odell Beckham Jr. and control some of the hate you get because he, he brings some of it on himself for sure. It would be easy for you to just show up, dude. It's going to be easy to practice. And you know if you're not going to show up, the media is going to talk. So at a certain point, it's kind of on you. You're on a new roster. You've already come out and talked about how you think that this Cleveland Brown team or how you want to make this Cleveland Browns team into the new New England Patriots. You've put your name out there. You need to go ahead and do the easy thing and just show up for a week, right? And some people will make the argument, like Chris Sims makes a great argument talking about these voluntary camps, kind of like what I was just saying, saying that the players don't need this. The real work happens in training camps. Somebody who's such an elite athlete like Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be able to afford a trainer or like a Le'Veon Bell like we've seen before. These guys are going to get their body right in the way that they need to on their own time. And that's fine. But just from a political standpoint and a team building standpoint, you're part of something new. The Cleveland Browns have a ton of pressure on them. It will be such an easy move for you to go there. And I think it says a lot that Juju and Ben and really all the rest of the Steelers went to their camp. Then if you want to just touch quickly on Le'Veon Bell not showing up to the Jets camp, that's just – there's a bit of shot in Freud there. Can't lie to you. Feels good as a Steelers fan to see him not show up to that. Once again, dude, this is easy. They just paid you a ton of money, guaranteed money. They actually outbid themselves to pay you more money. Now that news has come out that Mike McCagnan, the newly fired GM of the New York Jets, former GM, I should say, actually was bidding against himself when Adisa Bakari, Le'Veon Bell's agent, during the last weeks, the waning hours of Le'Veon Bell's free agency, he put out the rumor that it was down to the Ravens and the Jets for Le'Veon Bell to go to. Well, it turns out they never even talked to the Ravens. So McKagan outbid himself and gave Le'Veon Bell all this money. And you can't even show up for the first week? Listen, I always was in the camp of wanting the Steelers to re-sign Le'Veon Bell. I think we went over that last week. But I also defended his 
right to sit out. And I think that while that was happening, it was a good move. I think that he still should have signed long-term with the Steelers because that deal would have ultimately been better for him. He was going to show in the first two years of that Steelers deal, he would have made more money than the Jets eventually gave him, which apparently was way higher than the rest of the market since the Jets outbid themselves against nobody. So, you know, if the if he stayed in Pittsburgh, if he actually did sign the contract, he would have made more than that in the first two years. You could say, oh, what if he got hurt in the first year? Well, his leg would have had to have fallen off for the Pittsburgh Steelers to cut their newly signed investment in after the first year of the new deal. So to me, he made the wrong decision. But at the time of his holdout, when he didn't play last season, he had not signed the deal with the Steelers. So at that point, he had the, the decision, am I going to play and risk injury and and not be secure for the future? Or am I going to use some of the few rights that I have been given in the collective bargaining agreement to hold out? Always defended that. But like Odell, fair or not, some of the perception of him in the media and in some NFL circles is that he doesn't like, he doesn't love football enough or he doesn't want to play. How much time does this guy need off? (laughs) So it's just such an easy decision for you to fly up to New York from Miami and just be there for the first week. And and it just seemed like such an easy move. And like I said, it's good to see the Steelers making moves like having star players go to these voluntary camps. Good to see Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey making statements online saying, hey, if you're going to talk about the Steelers, or if you have any questions, if you're a former player – Call me. You have my number. Tweet at me. If you want to talk about somebody else, I have their number. I will give it to you. This stuff goes a long way, and I think that this is the year where the Steelers, after being in a time of transition for a long time, they're established. They're a veteran team now, but a veteran team that's not too old like they were at one point. They have definitive leaders. The Steelers have... Really, the biggest one to me is Marquise Pouncey, and then you got Ramon Foster. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, you have Cam Hayward and Vince Williams. Your, your best leaders don't always have to be your best players. And Vince isn't one of the best players. He's a solid player, but he's a good leader, and he's an energy tone setter. And then after that, you got guys like Ben and you know maybe Juju, hopefully, comes into that role as a star player. You need to kind of get there. But... What they're doing right now, the team does seem in a good place, so maybe uh, some of the drama being gone will help them. Now, Ben is doing his part in building that team with taking the skill position guys to the lake house. goes a long way. He went even a step further today. I think uh, an interview, by the time this podcast is out, this interview should be out on CBS, but uh, Ben actually addresses the AB fiasco here. I'm, I'm, re- I'm reading this tweet from Steelers Depot here. I'm not sure where they got it because they quoted something, but they did not attribute where the quote came from. I'm assuming it's from CBS because they did post something after when a Twitter user asked them, hey, where can I see the rest of this interview? Steelers Depot did post the link to CBS, so that's some attribution in some way there. But the post says, Steelers Ben on AB fiasco, quote, the thing about media and social media – actually, let me, let me read the first quote. This is the second quote. So the first quote is Ben Roethlisberger on Antonio Brown. Quote, I took some heat, and deservedly so, for some of the comments on that show and especially towards him, talking about Antonio Brown. I genuinely feel bad about that, and I'm sorry. Did I go too far after that Denver game? Probably. That's awesome. That's, that's great to hear him say that. I do wish he had said that 
you know, after it had happened. It, it sounds like, I don't know if AB actually went to him and told him that he was angry about that. It, it does not sound like he did, especially based on the next quote I'm about to read. But it would have been nicer to hear Ben say that earlier. But that's what we want from, from you, Ben. Take, ex, uh, take explicit responsibility. I took some heat, and deservedly so, for the comments on that show, especially towards him. Deservedly so. You're saying, hey, I'll take that. Perfect. And he's done that before. He's taken blame after game, saying, like, that's on me. And, 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 and it has been genuine when he talks about protecting the ball if, let's say, he threw an interception in a game. He's done that legitimately countless times. And we know ESPN or NFL outlets don't want to admit that, but he's done that countless times. But this is kind of a step further. This is really taking accountability. I deserved heat. I said something stupid. My bad. That's what a leader does. It doesn't say the perfect thing every time, but you can take accountability when you say the wrong thing. He said, I genuinely feel bad about that, and I'm sorry. Did it go too far after that Denver game? Probably. The next little quote he had in this preview of the interview that's going to be up by the time you listen to this, he said, quote, that's the thing about media and social media. As soon as you say sorry, it only goes so far. You can't take it back. And I wish I could because if that's what ruined our friendship and relationship, I truly am genuinely sorry about that. That's a good apology in my book, man. Now, Antonio Brown saw these quotes, and he went out and posted, uh, I believe, a two-word tweet that said, Two-Face, because Antonio Brown just can't win. He won't win. Uh, I almost don't even want to address that because we've we've proven that Antonio Brown, uh, Ben, over his career, he hasn't been awesome about doing what he just did and taking explicit responsibility past the normal cliches or platitudes about like, hey, I'm the quarterback, we lost, we didn't score enough points. A lot of people do that. But what he just did was a little bit better, in my opinion, saying, I made comments after the Denver game, very specific. I regret those. That was stupid. I deserve the criticism that I got. I'm genuinely sorry to AB about if that's what ruined the relationship. Which also, man, that might be a little gamesmanship too. Because if that's what ruined your relationship, that one thing, which really does seem to be the case with AB. I know it might be a a few things here or there, but that really is at the crux of a lot of this. If that's what ruined your relationship, that actually says a lot about Antonio Brown. That that's all it takes for him. He's that fragile. He's that self-absorbed where, well, somebody said something bad about me. I'm gone. So maybe there is a little gamesmanship from Ben under there. But AB's proven over the years that he's he won't admit when he's wrong. It can't happen, especially over this past year. So he says two-face. It's just low blow, man. I don't know. And and, and I don't know what happened, what, what they were like behind closed doors. You know, the the insinuation bet A B makes about Ben is that he ha- he has this owner's mentality and he thinks he's in charge of anyone. But anything I've ever seen from Ben over the eight years with Antonio Brown was countless de- constant defending of him in the media until this year when you saw that timbre change, constantly calling him, quote-unquote, the best in the world or the best in the business. And that's why we throw it to him and lavishing praise on him. So... I don't know, man. I know Ben, you know, and really 90% of the quarterbacks in the league, they aren't these Tom Brady-esque leaders, but he did a lot of building up of AB over the years. So I I don't know. It, it really does smell like an AB foul on this kind of thing. So AB tweets, 
Two-Face, and the little boy, Mr. Rookie and a Half. Terrell Edmonds, Steelers Safety, likes the tweet. This is so dumb because the Steelers, especially since the drafting of Devin Bush, have been out of Drama City. It's been in the rear view. It gets mentioned in power polls or whatever, preseason power rankings when people insinuate, well, you can't lose two stars like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and still be good, especially when you didn't make the playoffs last year. You know, once again, no context at all on how close the Steelers were to making the playoffs and how good the Steelers were at the end of the year or the fact that Le'Veon Bell didn't even play last year. But the Steelers were drama-free and Terrell Edmonds liked this status. It's going to get picked up. Because like I said earlier in the show, we're almost getting to the point where the NFL has year-round news. There is a year-round calendar. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot less headlines right now to talk about as compared to the regular season when some of these little things like a player liking something get lost in the fray of, hey, we had 16 games. We had 14 games to talk about this week. Right? So... I don't think he liked the tweet on purpose, to be completely honest with you. I think that, you know, he's still friends with AP and uh, a bunch of players are, and he was just liking a tweet because when your friend puts up a tweet or some guy you like puts up a tweet, you just sort of instinctively like it. I don't think he was trying to make a statement there, and that does not seem outwardly like the kind of guy Terrell Edmonds is. But, dude, that is so stupid. You have to be more savvy than that. If he was liking it intentionally to make a statement, you don't get to make statements until you do something. He is, you know, the most important player on your team every year after your stars and your quarterback and everything. We always talk about it. The most important guy is the first-round draft pick going into his second year. That's the guy we need to see a big leap from. And this is a player in Terrell Edmonds that was egregiously overdrafted. The Steelers can defend that to their grave. No one's going to agree with them. So you need to prove something before you're going around making statements like that. And even if you have proved something, why would you do that? The Steelers are finally out of drama town. And you do something stupid like that. And that's all I think it is. I think it was just a stupid mistake. I don't think he realized what he was doing. I'll be curious to see if he addresses it. But really, it's just uh, it's just gravity for the Steelers to get sucked into drama recently. And it's not a big deal, but bad timing, buddy, because there's not enough going on on the calendar in terms of games or trades or the draft just happening or something where this is just going to fall by the wayside. And maybe it will, but traditionally this is something that gets picked up. You've got to be smarter than that. So moving on. Edmonds, he's going to be a starter on the Pittsburgh Steelers squad. And for the first time in a while, it seems like the Steelers actually have legitimate starters at every single position. We'll talk about kicker later. But I was eating some scrambled eggs the other morning, thinking about NFL rosters, as most sane people do, on my own time, having a conversation in my own mind, once again. As you do. And I was thinking, man, you know, now that the dust has settled a little bit, now that the Steelers acquired a bona fide starter, potential star, defensive rookie of the year, candidate type player in the first round, am I on the Steelers hype train, you know, hoping for too much out of Devin Bush? Yeah, of course. But I mean, the fact of the matter is the guy's a top 10 draft pick and the guy has real talent. So 
Not saying he's going to be that, but he has a much larger chance of being that than past draft picks who you get at the end of the round. Now that the Steelers, the dust is settling on some of the roster, they don't have many holes. It's not superstars everywhere, but they finally have a pretty fully competent roster and I was trying to make a list of who has more of a competent roster than the Steelers only a couple teams jumped to mind really quickly the Los Angeles Chargers are pretty set all over the field the New Orleans Saints return pretty much the same exact team from last year and then I just started thinking you know the Colts are the kind of the NFL's darling but I mean can you name any any other cornerbacks or, or their defensive line anything like that so either way what I realized is the Steelers have kind of the, the, the three big most important things. A franchise star quarterback who's still playing great and two lines, offensive line and defensive line, that are top ten in the NFL. If not, you know, higher into that top ten. Okay, if you have those things, you're already in competition for the playoffs. Those are great. Now add to the fact that the Steelers have some very good skill position guys. You know, you can argue over the legitimacy of Juju's Pro Bowl berth or James Conner's Pro Bowl berth, but, you know, worst case scenario, they were borderline Pro Bowl players. They're very good players. Then you got, you know, Vance McDonald, who's inconsistent but has shown star ability before. You got guys who have been there before, you know, Switzer. Dante Moncrief, everyone wants to laugh about that addition because people want to paint it as, oh, you lose Antonio Brown and you add Dante Moncrief. What the heck? Well, he wasn't brought in to be Antonio Brown, but this is a guy who was a very good receiver when he played with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis, and then he had to play with Jacoby Brissett, who got brought in like a day before the season started, and then he played with Blake Bortles the next year. So the guy was a very productive receiver. He's at least a legitimate NFL receiver. And then of course there's excitement about Deontay Johnson. Hopefully James Washington can take a leap and you got guys who have been there before your running back depth is good. Your linebackers, if Devin Bush pans out and if he learns quickly him with Vince Williams, that's very solid. Your edge rushers, you got a potential star in TJ Watt, and then you got a serviceable starter in Bud Dupree who plays through injuries and is somebody that's dependable. He's going to have more than six sacks. He's not going to get them on his own, but he's, it's not like having Chicolo in there, right? And this is like one of the first times, almost as a Steelers fan for my life, that the Steelers have three legitimate starting corners with decent backups behind them. You got Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, And Mike Hilton, who at times in his Steelers career has been the best or second or third best defender on the field. He was a little inconsistent last year, but I think that he can bounce back from that. Cameron Sutton's behind them, and Justin Lane, the third-round pick from this year, is also in the mix as well. So you actually have some depth there. The safeties are a little bit questionable, but Sean Davis was honestly very steadying in, in, in a surprise development free safety last year. I think that he's a big reason why the Steelers cut out those super long pass plays and super long pass touchdowns that played them for all the years prior. Terrell Edmonds, for all the crap I just gave him earlier in the segment, 
does have potential, and he did play very solid by the end of the year. You didn't hear his name called a lot, right? He did have some pass interferences towards the end of the year, but he definitely does pop on the field. I'll say that. He was overdrafted, but he does move fast. He does move like a first-round pick. He doesn't have exceptional ball skills or torpedo-like tackling ability that you'd like to see from those first-round picks, but he does have the movement of one of those guys. So we'll see what happens with him, but at worst-case scenario, you know, once again, you're not going in there with, with Robert Golden as a starting safety. you got guys all over the field. So an article just came out from Adam Shine. I believe it's Shine. Sheen? Shine? Adam, S-C-H-E-I-N, Shine, from NFL.com, talking about the NFL's most complete teams in 2019, and the Steelers were left off of the list, snubbed. Number one, he put the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not going to argue with that. That's a good pick. The Los Angeles Rams, number two. I'm definitely going to argue with that already. I mean, you got a quarterback with a big question mark. Your best, well, your second best player, your MVP running back has arthritis in his knee. I think you might have a better season than people are anticipating, but you don't have that MVP-type guy anymore. You lost in Dominic Sue on the defensive line. You legitimately don't have starting inside linebackers. Your cornerbacks are Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, who are famous, but they're not... It's not Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harrison Roby from a couple years ago. You know, Tlaib's getting up there. Peters can be picked on by the great quarterbacks when they go deep on him. And then their safeties, they lost Joyner, right? So they're missing a lot of pieces. And their offensive line is fine, but, you know... That's just, that's aggressive, man. But then you got Sean McFace, you see. Cleveland Browns, number three. I do think that they have a very complete roster. Can't argue with that. Number four, Indianapolis Colts. I kind of talked about them before. They're, they are definitely a, a, a worthy Super Bowl pick. But once again, I mean, who plays corner for them? Who plays on the defensive line? Malik Hooker at safety was a great draft pick, but he's got to pan out. Their receivers, that's pretty nice now. They have the great wall of Indianapolis protecting the great general or what is it corporal admiral andrew luck captain andrew luck no arguments there running backs are good enough to rock and roll so they got a lot of talent but i don't think that they're more talented than the steelers i mean andrew luck he's at a different point in his career but i think ben and him had the identical stats last year and the receivers would be comparable i mean they picked up paris campbell in the in the draft and obviously ty hilton is a beast but the steelers got some guys out there of course i'm not gonna Spend too long on this. Number five, the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's just wrong. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to make the playoffs, man. If they don't have Tyree Kill, which is seeming very likely, this article says we're still waiting to see what the status of Tyree Kill will be for this year, but they got Patrick Mahomes. And the receiving corps still have the se- <laughs> receiving core, receiving corps, screwed that one up, still has depth and talent beyond hill no they don't they lost their other best receiver conley and so their top guy is an inconsistent sammy Watkins, who's never made it through a full nfl season and mccall hardman who they drafted and you're relying on a rookie to be like that is patrick mahomes a legitimate force of nature is he a natural disaster absolutely and that's why i think they'll at least you know i I would expect them to make the playoffs but it's not going to be easy and I think that if you lose Hill, I mean, man, that offense takes a huge hit. And they added Frank Clark and the Honey Badger on defense. But, you know, it's not like he, but they lost plenty of guys, too. 
Houston and D Ford, and so you're sort of just losing one, taking one step forward and one step backwards at the same time, right? But I don't know. I mean, they do have <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, and when you can throw 19 touchdown passes in one half, that's going to take you far. But that's not a balanced roster. That's some, that's top heavy. Dallas Cowboys, they should be on that list for sure. They fall in that line of they have they're, they have talent all over the defense. Crazy talent on the defensive line and edge rushers, inside linebackers could have two pro bowlers. They got two pro bowl um, cornerbacks, safety at that point, whatever. We got good guys. Great offensive line, incredible running back, decent wide receiver. At least they got one of them. And then the quarterback's kind of a wild card. They belong on there. New Orleans Saints, we talked about them, of course. And then the Patriots, they do not have one of the most balanced rosters at all. They have lost a ton of star power, but I'm sorry. They are the New England Patriots, and Bill Belichick will turn some of these people into good players. Right? Right. Unfortunately, right. So... You know, I could be being nitpicky there, but the Steelers, they do belong on that list. Either way, interesting to look. I do think that the Steelers, they're going to surprise some people. And now that the dust has settled a little bit and the Cleveland Browns additions aren't fresh in the rearview mirror, more people are coming out to say like, hey, look, the Steelers, I mean, they have talent everywhere and they have their continuity and they're the Pittsburgh Steelers and they still got Ben and Tomlin and Colbert and they're in the Rooney family. And that's going to take them a long way. And, and people are right. Because it will be an easy argument to say, like, you, you lose your best player in Antonio Brown, and you didn't even make the playoffs last year. How are you going to be better? Well, it's not that easy, man. Like, the ball bounced a couple weird ways. <laughs> Especially when Joe Hayden caught the ball in the end zone against the San Diego Chargers. Sean Davis annihilates him. And the ball bounces into Keenan Allen's hands. Yeah, it bounced a couple of weird ways. Still think that the Steelers had a maybe their best shot at the Super Bowl last year <clears throat> if they had made it into the playoffs. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic by best, but I don't know. It was feeling pretty good when you're taking out the NFL's, you know, three of the top four teams, outplaying them tremendously on the field when you're talking about the eventual Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, when you're talking about the most balanced team you know, going into this year and at the time last year with the Los Angeles Chargers and the New Orleans Saints taking them down, should have taken them down in their own building, if not for the help of a few pass interference calls. And even if you want to take those out, hey, they played wire to wire with them. So Steelers got a complete roster. And that goes a long way. And maybe people are sleeping on them. And this is a better place for the Steelers to be operating from. Most teams work better as the hunter and instead of the hunted, especially after the huge expectations of the last four or five years and with the heartbreak and the downfall of this past summer. But speaking of complete rosters, I wanted to bring up a cool tweet that I saw the other day that I ended up retweeting by DK Pittsburgh Sports that had one of those cool like little games you can play. It says, you have $100 pick three players from the list below to start your franchise and they list famous Steelers players Steelers greats through the years on different tiers there's a $50 tier there's a $40 tier 30 20 and 10 right and basically the goal is you can obviously pick three people and as long as the amount of money that they're allocated is is at $100 or under under $100 on the $50 tier they have Ben they have Mean Joe Green, they have Bradshaw, and they have Jack Lambert. 
At the $40 tier, they got Mel Blunt, Ernie Stoutner, Mike Webster, and Troy. At the $30 tier, they got Rod Woodson, Alan Fanica, Franco Harris, Jack Ham. At the $20 tier, you got Heinz Ward, Juju, The Bus, and Casey Hampton. And at the $10 tier, they got Le'Veon Bell, A.B., James Ferrier, and T.J. Watt. I went ahead and retweeted that thing, and just first glance, I went boom, 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 let me pick who I would pick, and immediately I said, I'm taking Ben from that $50 tier. You need a franchise quarterback. Bradshaw, honestly, underrated quarterback all time. Unbelievable gamer, especially in those Super Bowls, and the game was different. People want to point to, oh, he had a lot of interceptions. Well, everyone had a lot of interceptions back then, and the man could throw the ball downfield, but Ben's the best quarterback in Steelers history. I don't think that is even a mild discussion anymore. The guy can win games on his own. Terry Bradshaw can never do that. A la, I need the franchise quarterback. We're taking Ben Roethlisberger for $50. I got 50 already gone. Oh, crap. Okay, well, the next tier is at that $40 tier. I need Troy Polamalu. I I can't take Mean Joe Green because he's also a $50 player. He would be the other one I would take because then you're getting a dominant eight to ten year sort of defensive player who's also going to be the leader of your team but if i did that then i wouldn't even get a third star so i'm going to go down that 40 dollar tier and i'm taking troy because everybody remembers how annoying was it on the broadcasts for every game of troy's career after that first year where you just heard the same thing every time uh, the offense has to account where Troy Polamalu is on the field. He could be anywhere at any time. He's a Tasmanian devil. He's half tornado, half Polynesian, half man, and half iron will from the Steel City. But really, he's from California or Oregon or something. But I'm taking Troy because he affected, like a quarterback, like how a quarterback affects all parts of the offense. He makes the, the run game better because of the threat of the pass, and he makes his receivers better, and especially someone like Ben who can throw the ball downfield, intermediate and short, plus extend plays. Troy did that for a defense. He comes up and helps in run support. He goes back, and he can cover people in the pass game. He can play center field, and he, he just – the cliche is true – it was very difficult to prepare for a guy like like him. So he affects more of the game. Although I did, of course, consider Mel Blunt and Rod Woodson because having a shutdown corner would be awesome. But neither one of those guys was an NFL Defensive Player of the Year, so I'm going with Troy. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm born in 1990, so I had the pleasure of watching Troy. But I don't know. I think we can agree with that. Let me know what you guys think. And lastly, since we spent $50 on Ben... We spent $40 on Troy. We have $10 more to get to $100. That's $90 I've already spent. I got $10 more, so I get a pick from Bell, Brown, James Ferrier, or TJ Watt. And I thought this was going to be the easiest pick of all time. It's like, well, you're going to pick the best offensive player in the history of the Steelers outside of Roethlisberger. You're going to pick Antonio Brown. But whoever wrote the article, and damn, I can't see it right now, but like I said, I retweeted it. It's DK DK Pittsburgh Sports, so you can see the actual author of the individual article there. Um, Whoever wrote it put a blurb on AB like, do you take the risk on AB? Do you think that you can manage his egos, that it doesn't implode everything? And maybe it's just recency bias, but... If I'm taking AB blonde mustache era AB, I don't think you can contain that. <laughs> it's almost a miracle they contained it for the eight years that they did. But that one seemed like the easiest pick in the world because then you have three megastars. But 
the author scared me off with that. So I'm taking Bell, who I know people don't like him because he left the Steelers, but like I said, I think he picked the worst deal, but that is up for debate. You know, that's not an exact fact. And he was just exercising his right as a running back in his prime at the most injured position. We did that segment last last week where I showed you all the best or all the highest paid running backs from the past year, and all of them are injured. I mean, it shows him, too, like, hey, I got to get my money when I can. So he was really just doing what he had to do to secure his career. And then in the process, he did some pretty douchey things, and now he's doing some douchey things after. And when he gave the little interview trying to pin some of it on, like, oh, I wish I had a better relationship with Ben, really just piling on to Ben during that time to take some of the pressure off of himself. All that aside... Bell is another player who affects all assets and all facets of the game. He obviously tremendously helps the run game and the pass game from a pass receiving standpoint and from a pass blocking standpoint from his blitz protection. He's unreal. So it's a little weird to pick a running back for this list because we know about their shelf life. But I'm thinking if you start with those guys, I mean, you're winning a Super Bowl within four years, baby. I mean, if we had Troy during the, the real prime Troy during the Bell years and you built the team around that, we're going to run the ball with Bell. We're going to find some workman-like receivers to hit the outside. Ben's going to scramble around. He's going to make some plays. That's it, man. So check out that tweet that I reposted from T- DK Pittsburgh Sports. Tell me what you think because you could really go a million different ways with this thing. I mean, you know, we're leaving Hall of Famers off all over the board. You can make an argument for Casey Hampton either. Like, hey, do you ever want to run in the middle? Okay, well, you're not allowed to because big snacks in there. I'd love to hear what anybody else has to say. Hit us up on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Gmail at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. We also got SteelersOutpost.com and we're on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. But you guys, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Give us any feedback. Let us know if you like the episode. If you don't like the episode, Papa Tom will be back next week, ready to go, rearing and ready. I cannot wait till we get towards some real football. But man, there's always something to talk about. So thanks for listening. Get at you later. Bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.